Hello and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver. With me, as always, Stephen White, Danny Kelly. How are you guys doing today? Doing excellent. Doing awesome. Well, that's good to hear because you guys <laughs> sound like you are, with those reports of your personal well-being right now, you guys sound like you are in minicamp form. Hundred percent off season form right now. Right, uh, best shape of my life. Best shape of my life. <laughs> Studying the playbook, picking up the offense, no problem. Be more explosive than ever. That's right. <laughs> I decided that uh, next week, or maybe not next week. It might be a little soon because I don't think all teams will have had their. I mean, some teams have had rookie mini camps. A few teams have had mini camps with like the whole squad. But mostly it seems like OTAs don't really gear up until the, like, the week after next in the NFL. But I decided yeah. that after that, we're going to do the OTAs power rankings. <laughs> everybody, I think everybody will be number one. But inevitably, some team, there'll be some quarterback who says he's not picking up the playbook or it's hard or something like that. And then we'll, It's hard. Somehow to be further along than we thought they'd be. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I think it's someone can be with... not competing very well. Not they're not <laughs> competing. <laughs> you're watching the film, they're getting it corrected, getting it installed. <laughs> you sound like Jeff Fisher. I, well, I'm well versed in Jeff Fisher. <laughs> I, I saw that Hard Knocks preview the other day. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, that's uh. I, I mean, I no offense, but fe- Jeff no, Fisher's the worst. Here. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> I don't know. Um, like mini camps, OTAs. Like I always like. I understand, like from a player and a team perspective, why that those are important and why you need those. You know, there's only so much practice time you get in the year. But man, it's it's really insufferable sorting through. <laughs> the reports from minicamp and OTAs because like you, that's where like the team media just like hypes the shit out of it. Oh yeah. yeah. And then like ESPN and the NFL network, then they jump all over it too, because obviously what else are they going to, what else is it for them to talk about when it comes to NFL? And the rookies have just looked so amazing though. You have to admit. I, it's amazing (laughs) that professional, that the, like the, the, what is it, about three or four thousand of the world's best football players are really good at practicing in shorts. I mean, who yeah, would have thunk? It's pretty crazy. <laughs> Steve, I was going to ask you, I mean, I know we've talked about this behind the scenes and stuff, but I, I just wanted to ask you, uh, like, you know, having been through this and from, you know, both as a player and, and from the coaching perspective, too, like, why is it like, I mean, what is the value in these camps and stuff? Well, the real value is the classroom. You're installing a whole lot of your offense and defense uh, in these mini camps and, and, and the mandatory mini camps and stuff like that. You're getting the rookies their first taste of how you do things. So now, you know, they know how you're supposed to uh, uh, do the warm up. <laughs> you know, little stuff yeah. like that, that you don't think about. You know, they know how you're supposed to line up to stretch. All that when the veteran guys get there. But it, it, the value is in the classroom more so than anything else. Yes, you want guys to work out and lift and run and all that good stuff, and you want to see them, you know, busting their ass, running around when you do have practices and stuff of that nature. But um, you, you also want to see them not have a bunch of busts. You yeah. know, get that. You know, see who's paying attention in the classroom when you take it out on the field. Who, you know, if a guy can't figure it out if he can't remember his plays when you don't have pads and all that other shit on and hitting each other and stuff then he's probably not going to be able to do it when you do get to camp so yeah. you know you kind of wish people out it's it, it, it's not the physical part of it though you know a lot of people pay so much attention to this shit and it's basically glorified seven on seven to be yeah. honest with you and having gone through the the coaching part of it you know i, I interned with the bucks a couple of years ago, Lovey Smith, uh, you know, he, he really, uh, I can't even explain how happy I was that he extended me that invitation. And it was like a once in a lifetime thing to go and kind of help, help out for, you know, three weeks 
uh, when they were going through uh, like just OTAs and stuff. But you, you get to see so much more there. Like literally, the defensive linemen and offensive linemen are not supposed to touch each other. Yeah. Right. So that might make it a little hard to evaluate if your offensive line or defensive linemen are any good. I'm just throwing it out there. You know, the fact that you literally aren't supposed to, be able to touch each other to the point where, you know, you'll hear it on the practice field. They'll tell, hey, knock it off, you know. Yeah. Even if just trying to do a little hands move or anything like that. And so when you hear these reports of guys, oh, this guy looks great. If they're on the offensive line or defensive line, that's a bunch of bullshit. Nobody knows anything <laughs> from camps or mini camps or OTAs. Maybe you can see, like, a skill position guy, like a – a cornerback or a wide receiver, see them coming in and out of their cuts and stuff like that. But you're still going to miss out on the physical part of it because they can't, they can't do press coverage either. You know, they're not supposed to touch each other either. So under penalty of the NFL PA coming and taking, you know, a week or two of your, your, your all season. So uh, there's not much physically you're going to find out, man. What you're going to find out most of all really is who can – Pay attention to the classroom, get in their playbook, and make corrections from day to day. You know, because that, that's a larger part of it, too. You watch film, and you go out there. Who's making the same mistakes over and over again, and which guys are learning? Yeah. So that, that's the real value of it. But these reports coming out, and everybody's got it. You know, the, the periscopes and, and all these videos, <laughs> and the super slow motion. <clears throat> I mean, it's, you know, take it for what it's worth. With ain't, with ain't much. <laughs> it's just it's it's i don't know it's like politics it's that 24-hour media cycle you got to have that year-round you know yeah. I, I'm, I'm surprised well i guess they do i think the seahawks did but I, i'm surprised like we don't have televised minicamps at this point i bet it's coming soon yeah. oh yeah NFL gets oh, yeah. Better, and, and now we're watching otas which we couldn't in my opinion, probably be the most boring shit you ever seen football related. But somebody will want to watch it. <laughs> oh, I guarantee. I mean, like, I remember, like, I, you know, I always enjoyed going to camp in, like, August. But even that, like, you know, you're going to hang out. I mean, I was at any rate. I mean, it was more you go to hang out with the other fans and right. see people that, you know, nowadays to see people that you know from Twitter and places like that. But it, But on the field, it was always just like, I mean – they're running through, you know, blocking dummies and stuff like that. It's not really the most riveting stuff to see, you know. And then maybe if yeah. you've got kids, you can take them. They can get autographs and stuff afterwards. I used to do training camp reports and stuff where I'd go and see training camp and then, like, take a bunch of notes and write down stuff and then kind of try and glean from that what we come. Like, lately I'm kind of like, man, you can't tell anything here they don't even do anything in the first place like oh a guy made a cool catch that's fun but yeah. like that doesn't really again like like Stephen said it doesn't tell you anything really they're not playing as physical as they um will during games and everything so it's really not like a comparison to what happens in games it's like of course the guy can catch he's an nfl receiver so i don't know it's uh it's just silly but it, i mean it is it's like the time of year when people get super stoked about their team so <laughs> it's gonna keep happening and it's gonna people are gonna love it yeah. It's the hype time. It is, it is, it is. And, you know, you read that. and I, I, You know, I, after li- reading mini like being on the team blog for a while, like you read mini camp reports and you pass that stuff along, some, early on especially, you pass that mm-hmm. stuff on and then in training camp too. It's like, and then you never can't figure out. It's like, why has this team only got two wins? They sure looked good <laughs> in August. <laughs> I, I, thought, yeah. I thought everything was going great in May. Crazy, crazy how that works. <laughs> there's a lot of non. There's a lot of non-football football things happening right now, though. Besides, the rookies are signing contracts. I know Stop that's always depressing. exciting. I like with the race, the, the insider race on Twitter to tweet that out. So and so signed their contract. Really? Who gives a shit? <laughs> I literally I mean, with, with the care rookie cap. I don't think we've had a single holdout, have we? I mean, I don't think. So. I mean, I think didn't somebody one year they got kind of not like the old school holdouts, like when you know you'd have a one and two pick that was one was maybe a quarterback and one was a lineman or something like that. But you know, I think somebody held up over offsets one time. 
couple years ago, it seems like. I don't, yeah, remember, I don't even remember. I'm not being upset about it, but I, I can't remember if they actually like missed any time at training camp or anything. Yeah, but, I, I don't think they did. Because the thing is, like, it's so prohibitive to hold out now. Like, the, the penalties are so absurd that you end up owing money if you, if you hold out yeah. for a week. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, it's like, you just, there's no upside to it. So, uh, I, I, I don't know why people persist. In, I, I guess it's news in a way, but it's news that, like, is so predictable. It's, it's re- report on somebody saying that they're not going to sign their contract. That right. would kind yeah. of make my, my ears perk <laughs> up. Or, or if they just had, well, they're far apart. It, how can you even be far apart at these, in this point in time? I mean, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> it, used to, it used to really matter, you know, well, this guy's a quarterback, so – you're going to pay him more even though he was drafted like in, you know, the 10th slot instead of the ninth slot because the ninth slot was a defensive tackle. Right. Whatever. But that, that shit, just, it doesn't fly anymore. Gone. Not with the, they, they got everything basically spelled out um, to where if you're a dude that, you know, got somebody you can work out with and is not hurting for money, you probably really don't even need an agent much. Maybe just a lawyer to, to to negotiate because it's so you know it, it's so cookie cutter. Yeah, it, it's so straightforward. So uh, you know, but every day, so and so, we got three picks signed. We got two left. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's like the draft was like two weeks ago now. And y'all already signed almost everybody. Who cares? The okay, countdown. The countdown. The one for the I don't understand or why like the teams that like prolong it so far. Like the Rams are always yeah, like Rams are one of those teams that were bad sweet. about that. Like it's like, well, you've got this. The cap money's there. It's all been set aside beforehand. It's like let these kids sign and finally start getting played to pay football for the first time in their life. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> unless I guess you're unless you're an Ole Miss player, then you've probably been played, paid to play football before. Oh, just kidding. Good one. <laughs> Which all that, uh, I don't know, all that did was sort of reinforce that. I don't know, I'm interested to see more, with the, not to change the subject too quickly, but like I'll be interested to see. I, I highly doubt that much more will come out on the Tunsil thing. I think everybody kind of wants to get away from it. And it. Understandably so. Just another reminder of what a shitty system the NCAA is. Mm-hmm, Yeah. People don't. People don't seem to really care, honestly, about that. No, and I think a lot of the people that do, like the NFL and the Dolphins, kind of want it to go away. And I know, obviously, Old Miss it behooves them to make it go away. And, right. And you know, Larry Tunsil's life's in a good place now, so he can kind of move on. I still, I still got that shit with his dad. But anyway, um, in other, <laughs> let's see, that where the. Was any like I guess the Madden cover was a thing yesterday. I don't know. I haven't played Madden in a long time, so I haven't played I Madden since like high school. About that. Yeah. Did they stop voting on it? Is that not a thing anymore? I think They're this just was choosing the first year now? they didn't vote on it since that one time they put. Um, remember that year they had like Fitzgerald and Polamalu on the cover. Sort of. <laughs> I think that Is, was the first time. Have we updated the Madden curse? Is the Madden curse still a thing? I don't know who was on it last season. I don't even know. Calvin Johnson. Oh, I have no idea. I think it might have been Calvin Johnson. Oh, well, so he maybe, retired. So. Yeah. It is a thing. <laughs> so yes Shit. and no. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so Richard Sherman was on it in 15. Um, Calvin Johnson was on it in 13. I guess he maybe was on it again last year. I never could play Madden because anybody I ever played Madden with was like like somebody that played video games a lot, and I never like was a big video game person. And it was just like it was no fun for anybody. Like those games were over so fast, it wasn't even it was like all right, that's it. <laughs> okay, so Beckham was on in 2016. He had a good year, I guess. Oh yeah, Florida. Beckham was on. I mean, he had a good year, but he also <laughs> went crazy. So that's true. That's true. I think Sherman was fine in 15, although you could say the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, if you want, and that's the, that's the nature of the beast. It used to be clear cut. The, 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 
You get injured. Uh, Madden, mm-hmm. The Madden, the Madden uh, curse was you, you either got hurt or something happened and you missed time or you just were terrible. You know, right. so now it's like, well, if you look something, something hard enough, you'll find something like, well, yeah, this is kind of negative about yeah. this year. So, yeah, I guess you could say it's, it's real. It's I, I would say, like, that one little run where, like, everybody got hurt or just was terrible really did kind of shake me up, though, a little bit. Like, for a while, I was like, hmm, could this really actually be a thing? Yeah. It was like a like four years in a row or something like that, where literally the person just something crazy happened, or they were just you know went from from being great to being bad, and and I don't know, it almost had me for a minute. I it, it started to be one of those people like you know if you really want your team to do well, do not vote for your player to be your favorite player to be on on the man cover. I you know better safe than sorry, I guess. <laughs> I remember well, there see. used to be the SI cover jinx too. Remember that? But you don't really hear much about that one. Doesn't seem to be kind of a thing anymore. Yeah. Well, okay. So going back, the Sean Alexander was the 2007 cover, and then he fell off the map after his MVP or after that season where he like scored all those. He had oh, yeah. he set the record for most touchdowns in a season. Vince Young was the 2008. Uh, cover, I imagine. <laughs> I can't remember what they did, but I'm yeah, sure it wasn't I, I, anything I don't good. think Madden cursed his career. <laughs> Jeff Fisher, when Jeff Fisher went out and told everybody he was going to commit suicide. <laughs> the years are all funky, too, because they're all a year ahead. So, like, Gronkowski is the 2017 cover. So, anyhow. Alexander fell off the map in 2006. Vince Young, I imagine, did the same in 2007. Brett Favre in 2008. I don't know what he did that year. That was the year with the Jets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that might have been more of his own making. And then they had uh, Troy had Paul Mullen and Larry Fitzgerald 2010, Drew Brees 2011, Peyton Hillis in 2012, which is probably the funny one. Yeah, that was the democ- That was when they opened it up to yeah. voting. Okay. And then Peyton Hillis. Since then, it's kind of not been a curse, but that's fine. I don't know. I don't know. There's something else like because the SI because I don't really think the SI cover jinx applies anymore either. So there's gonna have to be something else now to curse. Curse. I don't know. Maybe um, what's that show on HBO with The Rock where he's an agent? Ballers. Yeah, maybe there'll be a ballers <laughs> curse or something. Right? That'd be good. I don't know. Who knows? I tell you who is who is so does seem sort of cursed. And this is definitely of his own making. The Sam Bradford. The Sam Bradford holdout <laughs> is over. Thank you very much. Our long He's national back. nightmare is over. He's back. Man. And apparently this is the worst. nobody likes him. This is the worst offseason story of them all. <laughs> He's just uh I mean, did we? I don't know if we, I can't remember if we talked about it last time, but like he is the reason the two teams traded up to the first two picks. Yeah. It's hilarious. And like, he, he failed in St. Louis slash L.A., so they had to trade up to get the number one pick. And then, you know, he's been a flop in Philly, even though they signed him again. And that's the reason they traded tra- 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 up. It's like, dude, you're not worth what you think you're worth. And he was, well, that was, then they traded, the Rams traded for Nick Foles just to get rid of Brad, just to get out from Brad, to get away from Brad. <laughs> Oh, and man. then, like, so Nick Foles is wrapped up in this whole thing too, which is pretty amazing. That's going to be such a fun, like, twenty years from now, when we're talking about the NFL. That's going to be such a weird footnote. That Nick comes Foles. up somehow. The Nick Foles Sam Bradford matrix, matrix of <laughs> bad quarterbacking that kind of took over. But okay, like, did you guys read the story? I guess because the story came out, like, you know, the details of the stuff like that sort of starts to trickle out. A little bit. And, like, the last thing I read was, like, it was, the whole thing, like, sort of made you feel, not sorry, but, like, you you felt for his agent, Tom Condon, a little bit. Because, like, you could tell, like, maybe the client forced the agent into a situation that was less than ideal. Because, (laughs) like, so Bradford was in a meeting with the Eagles brass, the report goes. And I think this was Sal Powell from ESPN. So Bradford's in a meeting with the Eagles brass. 
and he uh, he finds out they're trading up to the second pick, and he gets pissed off and storms out of the room, and flies back to Oklahoma, <laughs> and like calls Tom Condon's like try one out, you know, trade me to the you know they trade me and they cook up this scheme well you know we can get you traded to the broncos and so they get a hold of the bronco elway and then elway calls and they want two you know howie roseman says well this isn't going to come cheap i mean you know we want two second round picks for him and Elway's like well no i could (laughs) we'll be fine with two second round picks versus sam bradford so right um so that's uh, that's the last I heard now, and then like all the stuff that kind of the reports that come out of minicamp this week. How because when he finally did show up, you know, the reports some players understood, and then there were the, some anonymous players who didn't want to work with him or talk to him anymore. And then oh Carson gosh. Wentz signed his deal again the other day, so there was another. There were yesterday afternoon, so there was a flurry of stuff from that, you know, out of that again. But I mean, I can't I, I can't think of a more poorly handled holdout in recent years yeah this one was bad this one was really bad especially because he just signed his contract like a couple weeks earlier or a month earlier whatever it was and he got didn't he get like a whole bunch of money with the signing contract or the signing bonus i think they've already paid him they've already paid him like i don't even a ridiculous amount of it and he's like trade me (laughs) they're like okay well give us that money back maybe yeah I mean, just the whole thing is ridiculous. And it, not to get hot takey, but like really, like, come on, man! You like you haven't done anything to like. I mean, really, he just has to compete. Like, I know, like that's like kind of a hot take. Like, oh, like go out there and show him what you're made of and all that. But like, really, you need to just maybe go win the job and stop complaining. You just, it's just ridiculous. Well, I guess, what, I mean, how is this going to play in the locker room for him? Because he's obviously, like, you know, Wentz is a good quarterback, but, you know, it's conceivable that he's not ready to be a starter the first week of the season. Or the Eagles, there's the pressure on the Eagles now that they have to roll him out there in week one. But, yeah. I mean, I guess, like, okay, jokes aside, now how does this play out going forward for the Eagles? Well, I mean, you, but, yeah. It, it depends on how it plays out for each particular player. Uh, I think that right now Sam Bradford should be able to to distance himself from Carson Wentz pretty quickly uh, if he goes out there and he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, the biggest thing with Bradford has always been and will continue to be his health. If he can actually stay healthy for a while, I think that it's conceivable that he could keep Wentz on the bench this whole year because I think that's probably the best thing for Wentz. Yeah. You know, he, he's coming from a, a lower division, a, a different you know speed of football, and and you can say what you want. That you know playing at North Dakota State is a lot different than playing in say the SEC. Yeah, it, it's just the speed of the game is different, and so. You know, there's a lot of reasons to want him to at least be able to stay on the bench this year, and a healthy Sam Bradford probably gives you that. But, you know, is Sam Bradford going to go out there and give you everything he has when he's looking over his shoulder the whole time? And obviously, it's already in his head. I mean, (laughs) literally, this guy was trying to run away, you know, take his ball and go home. Almost literally, because you know he knew that they traded up to, to get a quarterback, and so is he going to have the mental toughness to go out there every day and perform the way he should be able to perform if he's looking over his shoulder all the time? Yeah, I just don't know. But the biggest thing I think, like I said, can he stay healthy? And, and that goes for his teammates too. His teammates, you know, guys know other guys' story once they come to their team. Yeah. Right, especially a high-profile guy. Everybody knows that Bradford's been hurt constantly throughout his career, and he got hurt for a spell last year, and they had to turn to Mark Sanchez. Yeah. So if you're his teammates, you know I think they go out there and they watch practice, so they, them more than anybody else will know who really should have the job. Yeah. Right. They'll know if Carson Wentz was at least close. To uh, uh, being, uh, you know, showing himself as good as 
Bradford or not. And so if Bradford wins the, 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 the competition outright and everybody sees it, but, you know, Bradford all of a sudden is limping the first game or so, then you're the team that you're like, man, okay, we, you, know, you can't go through this shit again. You know, yeah. we can't go keep going back and forth to a guy that we can't rely on. You know, and it's unfortunate, and, and you know, I, I've been hurt and, and injured before, and I, I'm, it, we didn't have social media back then, but you hear the whispers and stuff, oh, this guy, you know, can't stay healthy. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I hate that kind of shit, but when it's true over the course of your whole career, you got to just accept that. You know, yeah. there's no certain thing that you can eat or, you know, certain kind of workout you can have sometimes that'll stop some of these injuries. But it, it, the fact remains that it, it, it was a coach that said it best. I can't remember his name. You know, the biggest ability is availability yeah. when it comes to the NFL. And so I think for his teammates, I, I don't think I think guys want to win so bad that they don't particularly give a shit which quarterback plays at this point. It's not like they're real invested in Sam Bradford. You know, they've only been around him. Some of them. For a year, some of them, this will be their first time being with them anyway on the same team. And then, uh, you know, Carson Wentz is the future, and they all know it anyway. Yeah. So I, I don't think they're tied to him, you know, in any way where they would favor Bradford or or favor Wentz, for that matter. They want a guy in there that they can rely on and who's going to help them win. And if Bradford can show that, None of this other shit with me. I mean, he didn't sit out of a game. He sat out of a you know, freaking voluntary. I'm doing the air quotes right now. Can't nobody see it. <laughs> voluntary off-season workouts. You know, there's it, nothing. He hasn't missed shit. Uh, it's a new offense for everybody, but still. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think this will really affect his teammates in the locker room as long as he goes out there and performs well. I'm just not sure that with him being so upset about this whole situation and him already looking over his shoulder before they even drafted Wentz, that he's going to be able to go out there and perform the way he needs to perform to win their job. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and two, and, you know, his whole thing was was all along was like, well, I want to be a starter. I want to be the long-term solution here. It's like, well, I mean, dude, then why did you sign a two-year contract? Because a long-term deal in the NFL for a quarterback is not a two-year contract. And that contract's worth a lot of money, but, you know, it also is, is pretty easy for the team to get out of it after year one without, you know, it's one of those contracts where it's built so that there's not a huge cap hit if they want to cut bait after the first season of it anyway. So you've got a chance, and you just go out there and play because – you're the veteran. You've probably got the starting job unless you screw it up or get hurt. And then maybe you get cut because the other guy's ready, or maybe then you can ask to get cut or ask to get traded, and you get a new deal somewhere else because some other team will be willing to take you on. Because I think really, like, I don't remember if I said this last week or if I, I, this has sort of become my standard line with Bradford, so I've probably said it a lot in the last week or two. But like, like that's a guy to me that if he can be healthy – he can be sort of he can have that sort of Alex Smith career. Like he's not ever going to be the guy that just wows you. He's not going to be an Aaron Rodgers, the the kind of quarterback that takes over a game on his own. But he can he could be that like hey, we've got a simple offense that's more about the run and we can kind of bring a quarterback in and stick him behind a decent offensive line and let him do some easy work. And, you know, that's, you know, that's not, if you want to play football, that's not a bad future for you as a quarterback because you'll still get paid decent quarterback money that that, you know, that top of the food chain contract level in the NFL, you just got to, you got to be able to deal with some of that shit a little bit. And I, you know, I just mm-hmm. like, you know, if you're another team, then you wonder, I don't know, and maybe it all comes out in the wash in the end, but, you know to have to go through put yourself through all this extra bullshit with that it just seems like man come on there's got to be a better way but the Sam I tell you what the Sam Bradford suck I never thought I'd be saying this about Sam Bradford after Washington for the first three seasons in St. Louis it's at least gotten his his career stories at least gotten more interesting (laughs) oh man um, all right, let's see. Um, 
It's not a huge one, but I, I saw people were talking about it again today, and it's not really anything new. But it is kind of an interesting thing to think about. But um, Drew Brees, he's in the last year of his contract with the Saints. He's got a $30 million cap hit. At one point in time, I guess his agent had said that the Saints came to him, you know, hey, we would like to re about renegotiating an extension to reduce the cap hit and, and keep Brees under contract beyond 2016. But they never did anything with it. And so they're going into the season with this, they're kind of in cat purgatory, but maybe cat purgatory isn't as bad as what they'll be in without Drew Brees next season. Yeah, $30 million. I can't believe that. That's insane. And it, yeah. How can, but, they, how can they even do that? And not to overdo, not to overdo it either, but I think Brees had a pretty good season last year. I mean, the Saints were miserable, but Brees, yeah. you, you know, if you look around the Saints' overall performance, you still, you see, I mean, he had a better season in some ways last year than he did the year before that. They started off slow. Yeah. And I remember the Bucks. the Bucks beat them in uh, New Orleans, and he got sacked like three or four times. And he just didn't look like himself. And it was like the injury, remember? He he was injured out for like a week. Yeah. And uh, the backup came in, and I think may have won the game or not. I'm not sure. But then all of a sudden he came back off that injury, and he looked way, you know, he looked like the, the, the Drew Brees were used to seeing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he started lighting people's ass up. They, they Remember, the Saints almost beat uh, uh, the Panthers when they were really rolling. In a, yeah. It was a blowout game. I mean, it wasn't a blowout game, but it was a high-scoring game. And the only reason why they were really into it is because Breeze was he's chucking it down the field yeah. like we're used to seeing. So, you know, at one point last season, right at the beginning of the year, I thought Breeze is done. You know, his time is over. I don't know if he went to see the Wizard or maybe one of Kobe Bryant's uh, doctors over in Germany or something. But, man, he looked so much better when he came back from that injury. And, you know, he (laughs) – there ain't many quarterbacks in the league that can do what he does. No. You know, even some of these other guys – and granted, he plays in the Dome, so it's not like he has to deal with the elements uh, a lot of times late in the season. But, you know, you're just not going to find that guy walking around that can do what Drew Brees does. And so you kind of understand how they got to this point because he brought the city a Super Bowl, all that good stuff. But at the same time, it's like, okay, what are y'all waiting for? Yeah. <laughs> Something's got to be done. Uh, and it's funny because they keep signing people, too. You know, some kind of way, like signing, you know, maybe not the top-notch free agent, but, you know, a mid-level guy here and there. And I'm like, I thought y'all was out of money. I thought, yeah. <laughs> I thought y'all right. was up against the cap. So, they just signed Turin Armstead or whatever, their left tackle, to a Right, tier. right, which probably actually helped their cap situation mm-hmm. uh, more than anything because it was a long-term deal. But uh, I, I saw, like, some little minor signings where those guys, you know, started one- or two-year deals. I'm like, how did y'all even pull that off? But I, I just, you know, how do you – for that matter, how do you sign Turin Armstead before you fix this situation with Breeze? Yeah. Uh, I just – it's not like something that just snuck up on them. They knew it was coming. So I'm kind of like very curious about how this all turns out because they said that they won't breathe. You know, they, they said that this is all kind of sort of a formality. Like, you know, they're not going to cut them or whatever. But you know, I wonder at some point if they don't reconsider that, if they can't come to an agreement. Yeah. And, I mean, he's 37 years old this season, which isn't, you know, not, not young by NFL standards by any, any means. But, <laughs> you know, we've seen quarterbacks that can play in, at that level at that age. And Breeze is kind of one of them. Plus, he's so efficient. Like, he, he's, not like a, he's not like a guy that wins just on arm strength or, like, athleticism or, you know, he's not like a gunslinger. Yeah. He's just, like, efficient. He's, like... Deadly accurate, uh, you know, really, really smart. Can you know, excellent, excellent at reading the field. He, I, last year, I, I don't even, you know, he didn't. No one really talked about him last year, and I kind of just kind of forgot about him. But like, he had a really good season. He almost threw for five thousand yards, like seven point eight yards per attempt, like fewer interceptions than he did the last like 
five years. Yeah. I mean, he, he like he had a really really strong year, even on a really crappy team. His rating was 101. Um, Led the league in passing up. yards. Yeah, there you go. And at 68 percent, like 68 percent completion rate. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just. I mean, he had a really 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 good year on a crappy team, and. I mean, so he, like, to your point, I think he could play for a couple more years. It doesn't really look like he's slowing down at this point. I mean, Ben Watson and Willie Sneed were his his second and third best receivers. Right, he lost Jimmy Graham, you know, who's been his guy. Well, I guess that's what stands out to me more with the Breeze thing. It's just like, A, you're sort of letting this thing hang. It's not that this year's cap hit is, I mean, it's a big cap hit, even for a quarterback. But, you know, it's more than the cap hit. It's more than the fact that it's like, you, well, you have this chance and excuse to do an extension and keep this guy around, you know, for at least a couple more seasons where you still want him because, you don't, you know, Luke McCown, and I don't know about Garrett Grayson, maybe, but, you know, those guys are going to be a big step, <laughs> a, a big right. step off from Breeze, Drew Breeze. So, and it gets back to the, the Saints just having this history of being really sort of erratic and bad about how they do their cap. Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, creating those situations where, like, they couldn't keep Graham last year. I mean, they're probably right, lucky say, they were able to like... trade him because eventually I would have think they would have had to cut him because the caps, you know, they just can't, they can't swim in that cap purgatory as long as they have been doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why they had to get rid of Graham, I think. They just realized that their cap was a mess. I mean, like, even the, I think it was the GM even said something like, yeah, we just realized we needed to, like, spread out the money on our cap more effectively or something like that. And, like, that was why they had to get rid of Graham. Well, and they have, I mean, I don't know. This is always, it seems like wherever you have ownership situations, you usually get some bad cap management stuff, too, with NFL teams. And this is one of those situations Mm -hmm. where the owners, Obviously, there's a fight between the owner's new wife and his kids over the team and everything like that. Mickey Loomis is doing the GM is also sort of in an administrative role with the Pelicans too. So it's you know mm. your, your GM splitting his time between two teams, two professional sports teams, and two different leagues. I mean, it doesn't seem That's like weird. Ideal. Is he the only one in the NFL that does that? That seems real, real weird. As far as, I mean, as the only one that's a GM and not like, you know, an operations type guy where, you know, the right. tickets and seating and concessions and stuff like that are on. Yeah, that's On his common. to-do list, too, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting, but I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's conceivable that, this, that Drew Brees is a free agent in 2017. That would be really interesting. That's like, uh, I mean, like, remember Peyton Manning had a similar sort of situation, too, a couple years ago. Yeah. You're not seeing, you don't see many of the, like, the elite tier quarterbacks. Because I still would put Breeze in the elite tier. You don't see many of those guys hit the free agent market, right? So, coming coming into his rookie, or to his uh, contract year here. This late in their in their career, you do though. Yeah. Like normally, when they're yeah, in their true. prime, absolutely not. But your favorite quarterback probably ended up on a different team at the at, at the tail end of their career. No matter who it is, except for maybe a guy like Troy Aikman who ends up getting hurt. Uh, but if he'd have played a few more years, he probably would have ended up somewhere else too. You know, when you got Joe Montana. <laughs> is his career with Kansas City. Jeez. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously. And, you know, we don't think that Tom Brady will end up somewhere else, but I bet you that ends up coming down to Ooh. whether he actually wants to play longer or not. But if he gets to a point where he still feels like he can play, but Belichick feels like, you know, that window has closed, we know that, you know, Belichick is kind of a kind of ruthless yeah. when it comes to those decisions. Um and maybe before we felt like, well, he wasn't going to do that with Brady, but Brady has proved that he's still able to play at a high level. But I, I would not be surprised at all if, if Brady ended up somewhere else, if he wanted to con- continue to play. Because that's the thing about it. Some, some of these guys are going to get to the point and say, 
okay, I've done enough. You know, if the team doesn't want to resign him, and that might happen with Breeze too. I don't want to pick up my whole family and leave and go somewhere else. Uh, you know, at this point in my career, but if they do want to want to continue on, I wouldn't be surprised if Breeze ends up playing somewhere else for a couple of years at the end of his his career. If if he wants to do all that, I, I think he's he's put down a lot of roots in in New Orleans now, and he's got. Those Jimmy Dunn's franchises, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah. going there too, um, which you know maybe maybe would keep him there, maybe it wouldn't. But if he wants to, you know, pass the next two years, or, or maybe even pass this year, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in, in another uniform. Now the question would be like, who wants him at that point? And yeah. that always usually they usually ends up being kind of you know. The wild card, because usually somebody you don't see. Like I, I didn't. Of all the teams, I thought Peyton might go to. I really wasn't considering the Broncos. I just it didn't didn't cross my mind until all of a sudden that was an announcement that he signed with the Broncos. Well, and they were kind of a surprise entrant into that too. Remember, like it was what were the the Texans, the Niners, and it seems like maybe there were a couple others that were kind of like you know the insiders kept whispering like you know you'd see the tweets and stuff about and then the Seahawks tried to get him. Did they really? Yeah, they flew on a plane out to wherever he was, and Peyton wouldn't come see him. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone kind of laughed. But... I didn't yeah, he kind of do that with I'm the Niners. No, I don't know if he did that with the Niners or not. It seems like he did that with another team too. He's just like ah, uh, no thanks. <laughs> Yeah, like Pete Carroll and John Schneider got on a plane and flew somewhere, and then he wouldn't Man, see him. Man, how different would the Seahawks have been if they like? Imagine <clears throat> if they'd landed Peyton Manning. So weird. That's so weird to think like, about. I can't even. Yeah, I just I can't even imagine that. Like the style and character and image of that whole team, like Peyton Manning yeah. and Marshawn Lynch. Totally different. That would be so weird. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um. Hey, all right. Let's let's do let's talk a little off season stuff. Um. Danny, you wrote a piece on the Texans the other day, and sort of the idea behind their off season is really <coughs> the two parts of it. Obviously, are Brock Osweiler and then drafting as many speedsters as they could find in the draft. Will Fuller kind of yeah. being the headline out of that bunch that they that they drafted in that. Uh, what tell us about the kind of the theme you, you noticed here with Osweiler and the Texans, what they're trying to do on offense down there? Yeah, so I mean, like when you have a guy like Will Fuller who's kind of a fringe first rounder. Like I know that a lot of people thought he would be a second rounder, and but then there was whispers that he could be the first guy off the first receiver off the board. Um, he was kind of one of those uh interesting picks and the fact that people didn't really know exactly where he was going to go but obviously he has a lot of speed he he ran the fastest 40 at the combine among receivers second fastest of all the players at at the combine Mm -hmm. um but obviously there's questions about his hands there's questions about all kinds of things but his speed you can't deny his speed and he has he's got field speed too it's not like he's just a track guy um so when when houston picked him first over josh doxson and, uh, you know, a couple other guys, Con Treadwell's still out there. Um, you have to, like, kind of look at that and be like, okay, well, they obviously see something that they really, really like in this guy. Mm-hmm. And obviously, in, in his case, it's speed. Like, that's the number one thing. So the the conclusion is they, they want that speed for their offense. There, there's something about that that they really think will make a big difference in their offense. And when you kind of look at the Texans offense last year it was it was really anemic. It was it was they they ran more plays. I don't know if a lot of people know this. They ran more plays than any team in the NFL on mm-hmm. offense. Um but they did not get a lot out of those plays. They were second worst in yards per play, uh, and then third worst in yards per pass attempt. So it was it was basically like the worst kind of dink and dunk offense you can imagine. Just, you know, not explosive, not dangerous down the field. And so when you kind of look at the pick, it's like, okay, well, that does make a lot of sense, actually. If they want a guy to throw opposite of uh, DeAndre Hopkins and, um, you know, draw the defense over to him, at least make them think about it. Like, you have to kind of – you have to have him in the back of your mind on every play because he he's the kind of guy who can literally just run past cornerbacks. That doesn't happen very often because, for the most part, corners are probably the fastest players on the team most of the time. Mm-hmm. So um, – 
I don't know. I think just looking at that as a, as their you know their philosophy and and trying to get faster on offense. Um, you know, they obviously drafted Braxton Miller later, and then Tyler Irvin a little later. So they they have some guys that you know can really do a lot of things underneath as well. Um, but it was just interesting to look at that as as just a philo- philosophical decision. Like they had other really really talented receivers on the board at that time, mm-hmm. and they went with the guy who has has speed. So getting him into that offense is big. Now, the question is, does that really fit with Brock Osweiler? And and obviously they spent a lot of money on him and brought him over from from Denver and and basically gave him the contract that says, you know, you're our guy, you're our franchise quarterback. Um, But when you look at his stats, I saw pro football focus. Pat Thorman had a a tweet when when he got when when Will Fuller got picked that said, um, Osweiler over seven for 30, which is 23% on throws, 20 or more yards downfield last year. Um, he threw one touchdown, two picks, and had a 26.7 accuracy percentage. So that means, um, you know, he that's that's accounts for drops and everything. So he had he was 34th out of 35 eligible quarterbacks last year on deep passing. So he was terrible <laughs> as a deep passer, and. So you have to wonder kind of how that fit works. Like, obviously, I would guess the Texans know this, that they saw on his tape that he didn't have effectiveness down the field, but they think that for whatever reason, you know, matching up these two guys is going to work. So overall, it's just an interesting uh, situation in Houston. And, you know, they've got, they went and got Lamar Miller, so that's interesting. They've got some interesting tools now. Um, Having new cop. Hopkins out there obviously always tilts the field because he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, but just from a just from an overall like you know design point of view, it, it's really interesting. So it, I'm going to be really looking forward to watching the Texans next year, just because I don't know if Osweiler is really kind of the right fit for that, for what they want to do, and for what their draft tells us they want to do. Um, but you know, it, guys can change. Maybe it was the. Uh, Maybe the Denver offense was just really conservative. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe they just didn't ask him to throw the ball downfield very much. I can't say that the, the Denver, like, weapons weren't good because they've got some really good players. They've got some really good receivers there. So I don't think that's the issue, but um, I don't know. It, it's just an interesting situation and, and one to watch. So that was something that I kind of enjoyed, like, looking into a little bit deeper. Yeah. What? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, I'm sure they'll probably have. They'll, it'll look really good in minicamp. We can guarantee that. <laughs> yeah. what, what other sort of thing, like off season idea? You know, like clear cut strategies. I mean, like I noticed the Colts drafted four of their eight picks were offensive linemen, which obviously makes a lot of sense when you consider right. kind of where they've been. Um, the idea is to protect Andrew Luck's internal organs. I think. Yeah. On that one. And then, you know, I'm I'm trying to think of other sort of teams that had took like a really sort of concentrated approach. Well, the Seahawks picked three receiver or three running backs, which was a clear, (laughs) you know, thing that they want to still run the football. Obviously, Marshawn Lynch retired, apparently. Um, And so that was a clear kind of thing like, hey, they want to run the ball still. They want they weren't happy last year having to kind of dick around with sign like they signed Kristen Michael off the you know off the street to come in and be their running back after Thomas Rawls got injured and so I don't think they I think they were not really happy with their their depth at the running back position last year so they they really wanted to get better there I think that Cowboys did the same thing um you know the Cowboys a couple of years ago when they were a really really good team uh they relied really heavily on the running game obviously with DeMarco Murray he was the leading rusher in the NFL so I think they were going back to their identity. They drafted Ezekiel Elliott and then Darius Jackson later in the in the draft. Not that that's like, you know, late round picks don't really tell you a whole lot, but like they obviously are focused on the running back position. They're they're beefing it up, and I think that kind of can tell you, um, you know, what they want to be. Like, you know, some drafts kind of are just all over the board, and you can't really tell anything. But then, like, there are a few like like I said, the Texans, the Colts, the Seahawks, and even the Cowboys were it's really clear what they want to do. And so, um, I would say those are a couple other teams. I think the bills, um, clearly wanted to get back. I mean, clearly are their often their, their identity is more on the defense. They took Shaq Lawson. 
Reggie yeah. Ragland, Adolphus Washington, um, you know, for a team who they got a lot better on offense last year with uh, Tyrod Taylor, but I don't think it's necessarily like their top strength, obviously. And so like, you know, reinvesting more into the defense was interesting, but that's a Rex Ryan team. And, and you know, those teams are always going to be, you know, identified as their by their defense, I think. Um, I think the Packers did a lot of that too. And the Ravens, both of those teams, Packers and Ravens really invested heavily in their front sevens, you know, drafting defensive ends and outside linebackers with talent speed. Um, if you look up and down their draft, they, each of those teams got like four or five guys like on their front seven. So, um, those are a couple other teams that you can tell, like the, uh, you can really tell their identity and, and, and their, their goal for the draft was to get better up in the front seven. Yeah. Well, you usually see like sort of a, like, you know, the classic example, and you always see that is when a team is like hires a coaching staff and they are, you know, they go from a 4-3 to a 3-4, or 4-3 to 4-3-4, or vice versa. So, you, mm-hmm. you know, you're used to kind of seeing that, like how, you know, teams will, when they switch a defensive system, they'll switch the players and try to do it in fairly quick succession. But this, I thought that was just an interesting, you know, way to kind of, you know, how putting their stamp on the offense in some of these places like that. So, I think the, the Steelers had an interesting draft, too. Um, if you look at their picks, to me, their the theme was team speed. They got Artie Burns early on, um, who I think he ran in the four threes or four fours, really real fast corner. Sean Davis, really really fast safety. Javon Hargrave um, is a very athletic, highly athletic uh, defensive lineman, and then they took Travis Feeney or Travis Feeney later, who was a you know he's a freak athlete so those guys obviously i think team speed was a big thing for them just athleticism on defense and obviously if you looked at if you look at some of the guys they've taken in the last couple of drafts too you know um <coughs> excuse I'm, me i'm blanking on their first round pick last year uh, last year the linebacker out of ohio state um who's that what is that guy's name maybe it was a couple maybe it was two years ago Shazier? Uh, yeah shazir ryan shazir was that two years ago or was that last year I, uh, I always, yeah. Blur together. Regardless, he was like a, a freak athlete, speed guy. Um, they've got a couple other uh, like safeties and draft picks over the last couple of years that have been highly, highly athletic. I think they're just you know that that identity of run fast, hit hard, and, and that kind of thing is is an interesting thing for the Steelers too. So there's there's quite a few. I mean, if you look through the drafts, there's quite a few of these, and it's really kind of interesting to see how everything follows a pattern. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's uh it, it's it's an interesting time of year for for that. Um There's not a lot of else going on in the NFL right now. Oh, uh, yeah, wait, there is something. The Greg Hardy Redemption Tour is on the road right now. Oh. <laughs> the Lollapalooza of shit shit balls trying to make themselves trying to convince people that they're not shit balls anymore. Um I noticed that uh who's his agent? Rosenhaus sent mm-hmm. out the was that yesterday or today sent out the let every team know that he's in counseling now he's, it's guess, like he's he's no he's not going to get signed or like he, he's realizing he's finally run out of uh well i guess that's, i was trying to find that today like what ha- right before this call right before we recorded this actually what how, it wasn't all that long ago was it that he did some inter- like remember he did an interview with that interview with Schefter. And oh, what yeah. in the shit did he say? Something to the effect of, well, it wasn't my fault. Or... He said that <coughs> he said he didn't do anything wrong, but he said he, I think he said he couldn't say he did, didn't do anything illegal, but he didn't do anything wrong or something stupid like that. Like, yeah, something like he was trying to minimize what he had done, but he said he, he done something wrong, but it just not what I've been accused of or some crazy shit like that. So, right. Um, and then that was when uh, Steve Smith also went back at him uh, uh, on Twitter, as I recall. Yeah. And told him to man up. But, you know, yeah. people are who they are. So if you got a shit bag, he's going to be a shit bag, probably. Yeah. Well, yes. It'll be interesting to see <laughs> if anyone, true. anyone, I, I kind of. I'm dubious that it'll convince anyone to sign him right now, but I I don't know. Is do you think he'll make it back on a roster like 
training camp time? Uh, that's a so good question. It, it, it'll be it'll be the middle of the season probably. But but here's the thing: it, it, he didn't play nearly as badly as people try to make it seem like he did. He was a fucking asshole. He was terrible in the locker room. He yeah. evidently uh, times to get to the meetings and stuff was optional. But he still played about like you'd expect him to play. He didn't have a whole lot of help around him. You know, Randy Gregory gets hurt um, pretty early on. They're playing without a, a, a viable quarterback for most of the season. And so the season was shit. Yeah. But it, it, it was funny because, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm, something's wrong with me. I, I can't help myself. On Sundays, they show replays of, of Red Zone now, week by week. <laughs> so... I you know I don't always tweet about it, but most Sundays <laughs> you're gonna find me watching. Why I don't know. I got NFL Game Pass, so I just want to watch the damn game. <laughs> you watch the Red Zone. That's awesome. From like different weeks, and you, I think last week was the week when they played the Seahawks, and he still was getting out to the fucking quarterback. But you know, in the context of him being a shithead, nobody's gonna give him that kind of credit, especially when it, the team plays so poorly and. The results were so bad, and he was even an asshole to his coaches and his teammates. But, and this is a big-ass but, if you can rush the passer, people find a way to, you know, get over it, so to speak. It's fucked up, but if he can manage to stay out of trouble somehow, some way, and it's the middle of the season, somebody's going to need a pass rusher, they're going to sell us on, oh, he's rehabilitated. Oh, he's taking, taking uh, 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 responsibility now. Oh, we have a plan in place. And they're going to sign it. That's just normally how it goes. And, and people will bring up Ray Rice. Ray Rice is already on the downside of his career. Everybody knew that. And, and he's you know, a running back. Right. More than anything else to me, that's why he's not in the league anymore. He just he, – he found himself – in you know, in a you know, a terrible situation of his own making, uh, where he brutalized his his now wife, then fiance, and he was not a good enough player for teams to look the other way on that, uh, and even not even a year later. But with Greg Hardy, the film don't lie. You turn yeah. the film on, and this dude is still able to beat just about any offensive lineman you put him against. Up and down the offensive line, right tackle, left tackle, right guard, left guard, it doesn't matter. And and somebody will, you know, but again, that's a big if, if he can stay out of trouble. He seems like the type of person, you know, maybe not to the extent of a Johnny Manziel, but a guy who uh, it can't help himself. You know, is going to say something stupid or, you know, refuse to, to give a heartfelt apology. This shit could have been probably. He probably could have been signed by now if he doesn't do the Schefter interview, quite honestly. Yeah. And the crazy thing about it is that interview to look to me like like uh, Schefter was trying to be an enabler to help him get signed. Yeah. But it, it had pretty much the opposite effect because he still isn't taking full responsibility for the things he's done. And while we are a country that loves second chances, even for shitbags, if you don't take responsibility, nobody's going to buy it at all. Yeah. So if, you know, between now and week eight, week nine, he comes out and takes full responsibility and he can keep his nose clean, somebody will probably sign him. Yeah. But that's a big ass if because he, he, he is a shitbag. And, you know, I, 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 I know it's wrong. People always talk about people changing. I just don't agree. I think once you get to be his age, you are a zebra, and I've never seen a zebra change its stripe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it'll be a story to follow this season, because I'm sure we have not, if his agent's Drew Rosenhaus, you can goddamn guarantee you have not heard the last <laughs> report about Greg Hardy, what Greg Hardy's doing right now. So it'll, it'll be getting pushed out there again and again between now and when and if he signs a deal. Um, all right, guys. I think that's a we're right at an hour. We've got a good podcast for folks here, and I think I'm gonna get some shorts on and go run some nine routes down the street and see what the neighbors think. About 